Over the next days, we are going to be, all of us, uh, talking a lot about voting rights, honoring Martin Luther King Jr., remembering the struggle for voting rights in America. Uh, there's a larger set of themes in the background here. It's about capitalism and democracy. Capitalism and democracy are compatible, but only if democracy is in the driver's seat. That's why I took some comfort after the attack on the Capitol when big corporations solemnly pledged they would no longer finance the campaigns of the 147 lawmakers who voted to overturn the election results last year. Well, those days are over. In fact, they were over the moment the public stopped paying attention. A report published last week by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington shows that over the last year, 717 companies and industry groups have donated more than $18 million to 143 of those seditious lawmakers. Businesses that pledge to stop or pause their donations have given nearly $2.5 million directly to the campaigns or leadership packs of these seditionists. Well, that's all bad enough. But the whole question of whether corporations do or don't bankroll the seditionist caucus can be something of a distraction from the underlying problem, which is far worse. The tsunami of money now flowing from corporations into the swamp of American politics is larger than ever. And this money, bankrolling almost all politicians and financing attacks on their opponents, this money is undermining American democracy as much as did the 147 seditionists, members of Congress, maybe more so. Over the last four decades, corporate PAC spending on congressional elections has more than quadrupled, even adjusting for inflation. Labor unions no longer provide a counterweight. Forty years ago, union PACs contributed about as much as corporate PACs. Now corporations are outspending labor by more than three to one. According to a landmark study published in 2014 by Princeton professor Martin Gillens and Northwestern professor Benjamin Page, the preferences of the typical American have no influence at all on legislation emerging from Congress. Gillens and Page analyzed 1,799 policy issues in detail, determining the relative influence on them of economic elites, business groups, mass-based interest groups, average citizens, their conclusion, the preferences of the average American appear to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact upon public policy. Lawmakers mainly listen to the policy demands of big business and wealthy individuals, those with the most lobbying prowess and deepest pockets to bankroll campaigns and promote their views. It's likely far worse now. Gillens and Page's data came from the period 1981 to 2002. That was before the Supreme Court opened the floodgates to big money in the Citizens United case, prior to super PACs, before dark money, before the Wall Street bailout. The corporate return on this mountain of money has been significant. Corporate tax rates have plunged, regulatory protections for consumers, workers, and the environment have been defanged, 
Antitrust has become so ineffectual that many big corporations face little or no competition. Corporations have fought off safety nets and public investments. They're common in other advanced nations. Most recently, Build Back Better. They've attacked labor laws, reducing the portion private sector workers, the portion of private sector workers belonging to a union from a third 40 years ago to just over 6% now. They've collected hundreds of billions of dollars in federal subsidies, bailouts, loan guarantees, sole source contracts, corporate welfare for big pharma, big oil, big tech, big ag, the largest military contractors, the largest banks. It all dwarfs the amount of welfare for real people. The profits of big corporations just reached a 70-year high, even during a pandemic. The ratio of CEO pay to average workers has now ballooned from 20 to 1 in the 1960s to 320 to 1 now. Meanwhile, most Americans are going nowhere. The typical worker's wage is only a bit higher today than it was 40 years ago, adjusted for inflation. But perhaps the biggest casualty is the public's trust in democracy. In 1964, just 29% of voters believed the government was run, quote, by a few big interests looking out for themselves. By 2013, 79% of Americans believed this. Corporate donations to seditious lawmakers are nothing compared to this 40-year record of corporate sedition. A large portion of the American public has become so frustrated and cynical about democracy, they are willing to believe blatant lies coming from a strong man, a self-described strong man, and they're willing to support a political party that no longer believes in democracy. As I said at the outset, capitalism is compatible with democracy only if democracy is in the driver's seat. But the absence of democracy doesn't strengthen capitalism. It fuels despotism. And despotism is bad for capitalism. Despots don't respect property rights. They don't honor the rule of law. They're arbitrary. They are unpredictable. All of this hurts capitalists. Despotism also thrives and invites civil strife and conflict, which destabilize a society and an economy. My message to every CEO in America, you need democracy, but you are actively undermining it. It is time for you to join the pro-democracy movement. Get solidly behind voting rights. Actively lobby for the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Use your lopsidedly large power in American democracy to protect American democracy. And do it soon. Otherwise, America may lose it.